My name is David, and this is The Big Shut-In. As I'm speaking right now, it is Thursday, the 29th of October, 2020. And it's been a while since you've heard from me. As promised in the last published episode of this, I have a couple of really nice conversations in the hopper, and I've just been waiting for me to finish polishing them and put them out to you, which is something I had been doing very quickly and regularly. But for some reason, I just, for the last month, I found it very hard to work on this show. And thinking about why that might be, I think, honestly, it has to do with the election, the United States presidential election. I need hardly specify which is just a matter of a few days from now. And I just emotionally feel in such a holding pattern, in such a, a moment of, of, I don't know what to feel right now because of that. Because I just, it feels so momentous and so important that it's been very hard to work on anything that is not an immediate deadline for my paid job. And I just have the overwhelming sensation that whatever the results are those few days from now, I may feel better, I may feel worse, but at least I'll know what to feel. And at least I'll know how to move forward with a project like this. Because it will either be a hard turn for the better and I don't think electing Joe Biden is going to immediately fix every problem that we have, but man, it would be a good start. It would be a really good start. At least we'd have someone in there who knows what he's doing and who is at least willing to actually look at the problems that are facing the country right now, these enormous problems, and acknowledge that they exist. To have that be something that would be a change is just stunning to have a president who's announcing yesterday that his proudest accomplishment is ending the coronavirus that that he feels like he's done that and all week that there's been 70,000 new cases every day 70,000 a day and at least you know I mean Biden is is an old man and he's not that certainly not the died in the wool progressive that Fox News is making him out to be but at least he's willing to look at all of the protesting and, and unrest around civil rights in this country and say, yes, I recognize that there is a problem there that needs to be addressed. So if he wins, I at least will feel like I can come into these little monologues and this series with, with a sensation of, of okay, we're turning a corner. We're going to start actually working on these problems, and then I'll know what to say. I'll know how to think. And if he loses, I'll at least know, okay, back in the bunker, things are going to get worse again. And I know what to think about that. But this Schrodinger's cat situation for the last six weeks has just been kind of intolerable emotionally. And, and, and honestly, that's why I haven't been putting any new episodes of this show out. And I apologize to you, listener, whoever you may be. 
But just in the interest of clearing the decks and finally publishing conversations I had more than a month ago, I'm going to get those last couple of banked episodes out. And hopefully next week I can jump back into talking to people with at least a sensation that there's a floor underneath me. Whether it's, you know, a rising elevator or a falling one. So having said that, let's jump in our way back machines. Feel free to insert the sound of harp music here. <laughs> to Wednesday, September the 9th. Day, whatever the hell that was, of quarantine. When I spoke to one Mr. Paul Bosky. Paul is an old friend of mine and, and an old colleague of mine. He was my boss back when I worked in event production and taught me a lot about that world. It's, it's something he is very, very good at, throwing large events, big galas and concerts. And so this has been a tough ride for him, figuring out how to take that multi-decade career of doing something like that and doing it really well and having that whole industry really shut down and and figure out what to do with that and how to move forward. And so that was something I was really happy to talk to him about and hear about, get that perspective. He's also currently an expatriate. He lives in Germany with his husband, uh, Michael, who is German, is in the finance industry there in Germany. And he's been there for several years and living there and working here in New York, in the United States mostly, commuting back and forth to, to run these big events. And so getting his perspective on what the previous several months had looked like in Europe from the ground was also really interesting. So it was a great conversation. He's always someone I'm happy to talk to. And so let's hear from Paul. So how how you doing? I'm good, David. Thanks. Um, you know, um, all things considered, I guess you have to put a caveat after you say I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you know, we're doing all right. Michael's um, at work today. Uh, he goes into the office pretty much every day now. Um, and, you know, it's uh, here in Germany, it's kind of back to normal-ish, you know. So um, that's, you know, that's helped quite a bit, I think. What does that look like? What is kind of, what is kind of back to normal? Like, well, I'd love know, to hear the arc of sort of how it's been there. I have no idea, really. Yeah, you know, um, a couple months ago, restaurants opened up. Well, you know, just before the beginning of the summer, restaurants opened up. They could sit out, you could seat people outdoors, socially distance. You know, you have to wear a mask until you get to your table or if you get up to use the restroom in the restaurant. There's contact tracing everywhere. So when you get to a restaurant, the first thing you do is everyone fills out their name, email address, phone number, what table you're sitting at, um, what time you got there. So if somebody, if there is some sort of a, you know, an outbreak, they can contact people and say like, look, you know, you were at the restaurant about the same time somebody tested positive for COVID. They may have been contagious when they were, you know, seated near you or whatever. 
you know, there's hand sanitizing stations everywhere and all that sort of stuff. Um, gyms are open, which is really nice because I put on a lot of weight sitting in the house, eat cooking all huh. day, and, you know, and that's the same thing. You, you know, you're not expected to wear a mask while you're working out, but you are expected to wear one in between stations. Shops are open. Every store kind of has their own way to police um, capacity so a lot of stores will make you get a basket and the baskets are all numbered and if there's no baskets then you have to wait outside sort of thing uh and at the beginning when they first opened up most stores had like a security person or at least you know a representative from the store explaining you know what the new policies were blah 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 and now that's kind of eased up because everyone's got it more or less so yeah, um, you know, offices are open back up. Movie theaters are not. Um, small gatherings are starting to get permitted, both public and private events. That was my question. Yes, yeah, so are people are people socializing? Are people yeah, sort of? Yeah, you know, um, we actually had friends over. We had about ten friends come over on Saturday last week, which was like I, everyone was. It was just jubilant. Everyone was so happy to be in a group of more than four people and to have friends all together again. So that was really nice. Um, yeah, you know, but uh, as like nightclubs are not open. Bars are open, but it's mostly outdoor seating or socially distanced, you know, within the bar and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, you get into problems because <clears throat> it's great. You can see people outdoors, but about 10 o'clock at night when all the neighbors upstairs are trying to put their kids to sleep and there's a rowdy crowd outside, you know, that causes problems um, for the bars as well <clears throat> with, you know, curfews and that sort of thing. The contact tracing thing you mentioned seems like such an obvious idea. Yeah. It, you know, I'm kind of horrified that we're not doing that here. I, I, why not? Yeah, I mean, there, there's an app that you can um, download that basically tracks you. It's like runs your battery way down on your phone. Um, but basically, if you do test positive for COVID, you're given a QR code and you scan that. So it's anonymous and it basically the algorithm or whatever in the app will track <clears throat> like you know when you got contagious and contact anyone any any of the places you were at the last 48 hours and send those people a message an anonymous message you know alert you were in proximity of somebody who's tested positive for covid watch yourself for symptoms da, 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 that sort of thing and then there's the contact tracing you know, at restaurants and that sort of thing. You don't do that at, when you go to the grocery store. You don't have to fill anything out. Um, it's pretty much just at restaurants and bars. When did lockdown begin there? Uh, when, when did people start quarantining? I think second week of March, first week of March, around the 9th, somewhere between the 9th and 12th, I think. Because I was in London the last week of February, and I had work meetings, and I had, um, I actually went to a convention, a conference. Uh, at the Oh, conference. God, remember conferences? Yeah, and, you know, it, it was kind of that eerie thing where it, everyone was a little on edge. Some people were wearing masks. People were already tearing down their booths early, so it was obvious they were getting called back home. And, you know, in the meantime, I flew home from Germany that, at the end of the week, and I was talking to my family in Italy, and they were, the my cousins that are up in Milan in the north, and they were talking about what was going on there. 
and you know, it became obvious this wasn't going to be like SARS or N1H1 swine flu. You know, it was going to be a lot more intense. And then you, I kind of think like the it was like semi shut down, and then like two days later, it's like everyone stay home. No one's going to the office. The only thing that's open are pharmacies and grocery stores, and you know, and they had all the new rules with hospitals and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> um, you know, so then, uh, yeah, and we were in that mode for but, about I think two, two and a half, three months. But you're saying restaurants and stuff for outside dining were starting to open in June. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, that's amazing. Earlier, actually, I think May, maybe even. You guys must have locked down hard then. I mean, we. We also, it was the middle of March, but we really just started in New York anyway, just started, you know, getting a little bit of glimmers of light. You can go out a little bit in, in, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, maybe. You know, we were never really like, because I was talking to family in, in the North in Italy and we weren't really locked down as intense as that, where it's like only one person's allowed out of the household at a time and you have to have a form filled out with you you'll be stopped by the police and they're going to, you know, ask you for ID and where you're going and how long you expect to be out. It was never that intense here. Like, you know, we would, you know, we could go walk the dog. Parks were open. You weren't allowed, you were allowed to kind of walk through the parks and keep distance on the playgrounds were closed, but it didn't really feel like lockdown, lockdown. And, you know, grocery stores were open. Obviously, you know, we had the great, toilet paper and paper towel shortage and yeah, things like eggs, like eggs and flour and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, what am I going to do? Make pasta like through the whole thing? Like answer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you saw me, you would say like, yes, you clearly have been doing that. (laughs) So yeah, you know, there were little shortages of things here and there, but it was never like this panic. I'm like, "Uh Oh, what are we going to do? You know? And, and you know, I, this is just an outsider's view, having lived in Germany for three years. There's a different sense of personal responsibility here. And that's not a criticism or like, a, a, it's just kind of an observation. Like people are a little bit more observant of like, okay, how it, like, this is the easy thing for me to do. But if, like, if I, if I leave a mess here or if I don't do this, it's going to cause problems for my neighbor. You know, so they're a little more conscious of that, I think, here. Um, which probably has to do with like, you know, having to rebuild their entire country after World War II. So I think there's a little bit of that ingrained still here. So, you know, people wore masks. People didn't, weren't, I mean, I'm sure there were illegal parties and stuff going on, but, it, you know, th- th- there wasn't a lot of that. And I think that helped, you know, and I think they, they kind of acted swiftly here and there was a lot more cooperation at the at the state and local level with the federal level here and so i think that helped i mean has has it been you're you're relatively new to germany yeah uh, three years and it's not your home country it's probably home now maybe yeah but <laughs> it definitely is now <laughs> is but was it doubly isolating to be sort of locked in in in, in a place that's still kind of unfamiliar yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, it, it did feel weird a little bit. Like, you, you, I kind of had, like, this guilt of, like, oh, I'm not there for New York, you know. Um, there was a little bit of that. But, you know, it's like my family, I have family here. I, you know, I had a lot of friends here before we even moved. And we've got a nice support group of friends. 
Um, so it, it wasn't as isolating. It was just kind of like, wow, well, what's really going on? I'm seeing what's happening on the news and what we're seeing on the news here and how it's being reported. So it was more like checking in with friends and like, what, you know, what's it really like? What's going on? What does America and New York look like from over there? Um, I mean, it depends on what news source you're reading <laughs> and, and kind of, you know, who you're talking to. I mean, you know, I think people are a little bewildered at the, I, you know, I think the impression is America is a bit of a shit show as far as how they've handled the crisis. And, you know, it, it was kind of like, why do they have to have these briefings every day? Like, just do a briefing when there's actual stuff to report, you know? And, you know, there is a little bit of that anti-mask thing here, but it's really confined. It's not, like, I, I think once I've been in a situation where somebody wasn't wearing a mask in a grocery store and security were like, you know, you have to either leave or put a mask on. We have a mask here for you that's clean, but if you don't want to comply, you're going to leave. And, you know, the, the person was like basically a junkie, like a complete mess. You know, it wasn't like... Uh, somebody trying to make a political statement. You know, I grew up in Kansas City, so I talked to my family and friends there. And, and you know, they've all been saying, like, you know, we go out and no one's wearing a mask. Nobody's, you know, nobody's practicing social distancing. You know, so th it, there's been a bit of bewilderment, you know, when we see things like that on the news. Like, you know, like, what are, what are you all thinking? And, you know, it's concern, too, because it's affecting the U.S. economy, which affects everybody. You know, so it's it's not necessarily so much finger wagging. It's more like, you know, we want you guys to be safe so that we can all get back to business as usual. Speaking of economies at business as usual, <laughs> you're, you're a representative of another um, misunderstood nation, <laughs> which is event event production. Yeah. Um, how how. How are you doing in all of this well, now that you can't work really? Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, you, as you know, it's like there's a double whammy where I live in Germany, but all my work is pretty much US, New York based. So that's been, you know, you're asking about isolate, like that's been kind of the isolatory kind of aspect of it where, you know, uh, uh, it, it's it's a little frustrating because I'm I'm kind of apart from my clients and my industry physically. Obviously, a lot of events canceled. You know, it was like literally I had projects going on in London, a, a couple of potential things here in Germany, and I was like, wow, 2020 is going to be my year. This is going to be great. I've got a lot of stuff going on in the U.S. and the gaps in my calendar are going to be filled with things in London, things here in Germany. And then literally within three days, everything disappeared. <laughs> um, you know, so that's, I'm, I'm doing a few digital events where it works for clients. And, you know, that's been kind of interesting because there's a little bit of trepidation. And I mean, I've talked to you about, you know, some of, some of these projects. There's a little bit of trepidation from clients, like, well, is this going to work? Or what is the template? What is the format? to do a, you know, a, a, a digital event. And it's like, well, we don't know, like we can make it up. Like, you know, so th there's, it's, it, that part of it has been really interesting and kind of um, a fun creative process. The not fun part is obviously everyone's budgets are, you know, decimated this year because a lot of people are using their events budgets to keep their staff on payroll. Sure. So, you know, that's been, that's been tough. I was yesterday, um, I was watching BBC news and, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber was on 
And there's a whole movement in the UK where they're pressuring the government, like, you have to give us a date that we can start doing events and you have to tell us exactly what those events need to look like as far as capacity, restrictions, because, you know, it takes us six months to get things up and running. And, you know, so that's been, that's been a bit of the problem. I don't know if you've seen that there, but, you know, like in, in Berlin, for instance, starting, I think, last week, you can do outdoor events for f- up to 5,000 people, but with social distancing, with, you know, all, all the restrictions and, and health precautions um, that they've listed out. But that date wasn't like a definite. It was like this could change the week before, if there's a spike in, in cases or, you know, if we don't think it's safe. So you can't tell a client or you can't plan a festival or an event when you're not sure if, if that's a real, you know, reasonable date that you're going to be able to do it on. So I think that's the problem we're facing now is like nobody knows like when we can actually come out of this and what it's really going to look like. So, you know, it's going to take us that much longer to kind of get back up and running. I mean, what I'm seeing here is just a nightmare in that, you know, my work is much less event dependent than yours is, but still, you know, I'm still in, I have a toe in that world for sure. And the, um, the lack of guidance uh, at the national level has just been stunning. Yeah. And so everything is kind of state by state and, and everything's become this weird political statement. Like, where there's, you know, here and in California, you know, you cannot have a gathering. It's it, it cannot be done. Yeah. But then you have the president having, you know, these huge rallies with thousands of people without masks on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and you'll have this huge motorcycle rally with two hundred fifty thousand people I, I at saw it. That. Yeah. And 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 it's 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 become some kind of weird political statement of whether or not you're willing to attend something like that shows where you are on the political statement spectrum as much as you're concerned for your own health. And I, it's just so bizarre. Like I just, I, I look at the news every day and I, I feel like I'm, I'm living in some kind of dystopian, yeah. bad dystopian David Fincher movie yeah. or something that I, I, I want to walk out of. Yeah, no, I right? know. Um, I mean, the event safety Alliance in the U S did a really fantastic, like comprehensive guide that you can download for free off their website and it's like, this is, you know, they pulled in lawyers, they pulled in events people, they pulled in health professionals, and they looked at kind of all the regulations that are going on, not only in the US, but what other countries are doing, and kind of whittle that into like one, like, this is our, this is our recommendation, you know, these are the safety recommendations, and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's, there's as far as advocacy to the government, you know, we've got great people speaking up for the events industry, I think, between the Event Safety Alliance, the Live Event Coalition, but even within those, like, more of the Live Events Coalition pages on Facebook, it's turning into, like, people attacking each other. That's a stupid idea. You obviously haven't been in the business very long. Or, you know, this is Trump's fault. This is Cuomo's fault. It's just descended into that, which isn't really helping anybody. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep out of it and just focus on my little events that I'm doing and start planning ahead for, like, you know, like, what could be happening next year? <laughs> well, I just, I mean, what do you hear from people? Because I, event world, you know, it, there's a very small percentage of people 
in event world whose work translates to a digital space, right? Like what I do does, you know, you still need to produce a video. People still need coordination and you know, production. But like if, if you rent stage decks or <laughs> lighting trusses or you're a, yeah, you know, that's a, kind of what a you lighting do. guy or a band or, you know, I mean, uh, what are these people doing now? Well, you know, it's funny. We were like, I was in a lot of brainstorming roundtables when the, when the shutdown, when the big shutdown first kind of started. And, you know, I was like, look, you've got all these people out of work who are really qualified problem solvers. Why not like employ them to help with like when we go back to school, like you've got empty theaters, movie theaters, convention centers, parking lots of stadiums. You've got all this real estate that's not being used. Why don't you turn those into like study centers so the students can go there and do their e-learning and get out of the house and you put them in groups of like 10. So they're at least allowed to socialize with like nine of their friends and then you can employ all these out-of-work people to kind of be safety monitors and give them PPE and stuff like that. But, you know, then... Set the space up and tear it down at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, or, or leave it up, you know, leave it up, make it a multi-purpose you know, purpose kind of thing. But then you get into like, well, if it's a state school and you're using private property and the student gets injured, liability issues, and you have to do background checks on all the people because they're around kids. But, you know, it's like... like let's look at what resources we've got and you know and i think that's the thing going back to what i was saying earlier it's like if we knew we're coming out of this in six months then it's like okay there's no point in doing all that we can wait it out but if we know we're going to be in this for another year and a half two years which is what i think it's going to be then like let's take a couple months and like come up with a plan for the next 18 to 20 months you know to, to utilize these things and then you know, instead of paying people unemployment, you can pay them to do a, a job and, and they're contributing and they don't feel like they're not contributing, you know. Um, I don't know. I don't know what, that's kind of a crazy idea, but I kind of think it's time for crazy ideas. <laughs> what, I mean, it, it's an interesting question to say we demand to know when, when we can do this yeah because nobody knows <laughs> yeah. right like what would even what is required a vaccine nobody knows how long that's going to take yeah 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 i mean it, it is a little you know i think i think people are just starting to get frustrated because there's for not, sure there's not any assistance coming like my case because i'm a u.s citizen who lives abroad and my work is based in new york i'm not eligible for any benefits anywhere so like I've kind of fallen through the cracks and I have a lot of expat friends who are like, you know, I can't apply for assistance in the U S because, you know, I moved to the UK or Belgium or Sweden with my spouse and I work remotely um, for a U.S. based company. I've lost my job, but because I live abroad, they're not giving me benefits. Um, so there's been a lot of people like that kind of falling through the cracks. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, obviously I pay attention to that because that's kind of my, demographic but yeah you know i think it's hard to say like you know when are we going to come out of this but you know i i think it's like the government's shut us down and we understand that's for everybody's safety and that was the prudent thing to do but then you know we were making a joke here um i was making a joke with some colleagues up in berlin that like you know prostitution's legal here so like brothels are allowed to open up 
you know, sex dungeon. <laughs> That's not socially distant. And, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, so wait a second. Like, prostitutes and dominatrixes are back to work, but we event producers can't get back to work. I'm like, maybe we should turn venues into like brothels or something. Like, I don't know. Like, what are we going? Like, what are we going to do? So you know, I think there's a little bit of frustration there, where it's like, well, you know, there's. 40 people in the grocery store at one time. Why can't I have 40 people in my little music venue, socially distance? You know, so there's a little bit of, I, I think, you know, uh, people are getting a little frustrated at, at that, you know, understandably. I mean, I, you know, I, I've known you for a long time as someone who's, you're, you're very good at your job. You're very accomplished. You're very proud of your work. You know, I know you like to travel and you, you really like what you do. Ha, has it been weird to be yeah. sort of a house, a house pro? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. We know it's really funny. The first day my husband worked at home, we have like a, I have like an office space just off of our bedroom and that's kind of my home office. But in reality, I, I'm usually sitting at my, at our dinner table with my laptop because it's nice and bright. Anyway, he was like, well, I'm going to go set up downstairs in the home office. And I got kind of protective and defensive. I'm like, well, you know, I was going to work there today. And then we both just started laughing. I'm like, there's nothing for me to work on. There's no events. The event industry is dead. There is nothing for me to work on. So please go use the home office. I will sit up here and watch, you know, Lion, or what was it, Tiger King? <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, that's, it, it's been weird. And, like, you know, we do travel a lot. <clears throat> Um, a musician friend of mine who's like semi-pro, she lives, she's American and lives up in Berlin. I was, you know, we check in on each other and she said, I'm kind of in, like, I'm kind of enjoying the peace and quiet and not having to get on a tour bus and not having to promote a gig, you know, cause she's always got like five or six bands going and she's on the road with this band and this other tour is starting up. And, you know, there's been good benefits for working musicians and artists in Germany. So she's not worried about, rent or buying groceries so it's not that she's taking a vacation but she's kind of like i'm you know i'm taking courses online i'm doing other stuff that i ordinarily don't get to do um for me it's been weird it's like you know i i'm in new york five or six times a year for a good two or three week pop i'm in london a lot we travel a lot also for fun and you know i think this is the longest i've been in one place in like 25 years then I'm sure a lot of people are saying the same thing, if not even longer. It, it's weird, but it's, you know, we have a comfortable space. Like my personal situation is I, we're really fortunate. Like we have a comfortable place to live. We're in a nice neighborhood. There's parks. There's a couple parks nearby you can go to. You know, we're, we're walking distance with some of our friends so we can meet up in a park and, you know, sit at opposite benches and, you know, bring a bottle of wine to the park or something like that. So it, it hasn't been like we're totally cut off. So that's kind of been the, the lifesaver for me. But, you know, I, I don't do the Zoom parties and how like, the first couple of times, you know, I think the first weeks we were all kind of, you know, in, in the shutdown mode. That was the thing to do. Like, you know, let's have a drink together. And then it, it just kind of bummed me out. I was like, actually, I get more depressed if I'm not thinking about missing my friends and then if I'm watching them on like a video chat kind of thing. So I kind of stopped doing that early on. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it hasn't been as bad as I thought it was going to be as far as... Well, that's... Yeah. That's good. I, I mean, I worry about 
people I worry about you. I worry about, yeah. you know, or, <clears throat> just like people I know who like to work who can't. Yeah. I, I feel like that must be a really frustrating thing. I mean, and that's the frustrating thing is like, none of us are slackers. Like, you know, um, I, 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 I've severed a few relationships during this period. You know, somebody said, well, you know, the vacation's over. You guys need to all get back to work. And I'm like, I, I can't get back to work, you know, and I'm 51 years old. Like, it's not that I'm not open to applying my skill set to another field, but like, there's kind of an employment problem, an employment problem going on too right now, you know? Right. And like, where am I going to go get new training? Schools are shut down. Like, you know, I'm not going to spend a significant amount of money when I'm not, when I don't have income coming in to go to like a school and, and, and you know, so it, it's just not that easy. And, you know, my comeback was like, if you think that, like we're slackers, like look at my client list and look at the work I've done. I, I didn't get that from like sitting on my ass all day, you know? And, and that's true for, I think most of the people, I mean, that's what I love about the events industry is the people are hardworking, they're problem solvers. They don't take nicely to, we can't do that. It's like, well, what can we do? How can we do that? Like, how else can we achieve this? Like, can we, can we do it this way? So, you know, I, I think especially for people who are fixers and problem solvers, when it's something that's bigger than you and you can't fix it, it's really frustrating. You know, I, I know a lot of people have been having a hard time with that. I mean, what do you think you said before you think it's going to be a year or two years before things are really. Yeah. I mean, I know that sounds pretty like dismal, but I mean, I mean, here's the thing, like the, yesterday there was a, I was reading something about the, the a, a great idea where for Broadway, where it's like you kind of corral a bunch of theaters together and in order to get into that area, you have to do like, like maybe they can invent a on the spot COVID test, like a pregnancy test. And if you are negative, it's pretty sure you're going to be negative for about a 24 hour period. Then you can go into the closed off area and go enjoy a performance and there's still social distance, there's still masks, hand washing, all that. But at least there's a that added bit of security there, and you can maybe put more people in. But you know, my thing is, is like, uh, there's people shooting security guards at Walmart's because they got told to wear a mask. You know, how is somebody going to take it when they paid money to go to good money to go see a theatrical performance or a concert, and they're told, well, you can't come in because you, the test is positive you know, you, you might be positive for COVID, so we can't let you in. Like, what's that going to look like? And then what happens to the people who are in line in front and behind them and around them? Like, have they been exposed? Like, should we not let them in? So it just turns into like this whole, you know, where it's like, I try to be optimistic and look for solutions. But then when you really start looking into implementing it, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, frankly, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but I, <laughs> I speak to scientists and doctors yeah. a lot. And I, I, what I understand of the science is that that kind of instant read test is, I mean, the test that they have now takes a while to process and is not that accurate. Yeah. I mean, it's only, there's a lot of false positives. There's a lot of false negatives. And if, I feel like that kind of instant read test is as big a scientific push 
as a vaccine would be. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. that's probably also two years away yeah, if, if somebody it, were to really. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that's why I think it's like, look, you know, the so-called Spanish flu or what, whatever the, the correct term for it is that lasted about two years. And, you know, there was never a vaccine for that. They just got the infection rates so low that it's never, it, it hasn't been a problem. And there's little spikes here and there of it around the world, but they're able to contain it. So I think, you know, I'm, that that's the part that I'm optimistic about. It's like, well, you know, they managed to get the infection rates down and, and the virus kind of ran its course, so to speak. So, you know, uh, hopefully that's what happens with this. But, you know, all it takes is, you know, one super spreader event and, you know, we're back into the you know, a big mess again. I, th- I think about that 1918 flu sometimes, and I find a weird glimmer of hope there that, you know, people have all these, all these doom and gloom op-ed pieces and stuff that theater will be dead for 20 years or, yeah. you know, like there's no... And I think about the history of actually what happened right after that flu is people were so hungry for connection and so hungry for yeah. kind of ecstatic release. It was the jazz age. It was the 20s. It was yeah. speakeasies and the, like this big explosion of of music and and socialization and, you know, li- sexual liberation and all this stuff. Yeah. And I, I find some hope in that. that yeah, you know, I do too. And, you know, like for me, it's like there's been a lot of creativity. People have had time on their hands and they're trying to be creative and think of like, okay, how could we do a, an event, you know? And we saw right away, it was like the drive-in events. And then there's been all these other kind of takes. And it's like, let's take some of that creativity back when we're able to do events again and start thinking out of the box. And let's, let's actually be disruptive My name is David Hoffman, and this is The Big Shut-In. I produce this show, post-production by Garrett Tiedemann. It's a production of Race Car Radio. If you're enjoying this series, I'll also steer you to our new sister series, COVID University New York. In it, the very talented Shar Adams takes a comprehensive look at life under COVID by using the City University of New York, CUNY, as a microcosm. You can find it at racecarradio.com and wherever you get podcasts. If you have feedback for me or a story that you think might be a good fit for this show, please do reach out at thebigshutin at racecarradio.com.